piece on the wide. What's up, guys? Thanks for tuning in to the show. This episode is with Johnny Hanna of Homie. And in this episode, we definitely get pretty deep, pretty precise with how he grew homie and what he's done to get it to the point it's at we we really really dive deep so i think you'll like this one remember to follow my instagram at josh chingas it's where i post uh videos of the podcast everything else for the podcast usually goes on there so give that a follow to to see who's up next all that good stuff and if you like the show don't forget to review rate and subscribe to it so i can reach more people and enjoy through the mid- All right, Johnny, ready to rock and roll? Ready to go. Let's do this. All right, Johnny, so just quickly introduce yourself here so we know a little bit about you, who you are, what you do, and then we can go from there. Okay, um, I am from Orem. I, my wife uh, lives, has lived there her whole life, so we just moved about half a mile down from where her family uh, lived and where she grew up. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've got six kids. Uh, or I have seven now, actually. We had five boys, and we had a little girl, and we just had another little boy. And we just found out my wife's pregnant with number eight. No way. So, yeah, so oh, clearly wow. I'm losing track of them. <laughs> oh, seven, yeah. Five, six, seven, but yeah. yeah. And so I, I spent a ton of time just, you know, trying to make sure their needs are met and, and that they get some good dad time, and we yeah. get to go to the trampoline park pretty often, <laughs> so... So that actually leads into my next question, which is just a random one, uh-huh. because I like to get it kicked off uh, on the right foot, just keep it light and fun. So I wrote down, I saw that you like trampoline parks. Yep. What was, why is it trampoline parks, not anything else that you love so much to do with your family and just you yourself? You know, that's a great question. I don't know, I don't <laughs> know if I've ever even put thought into that, but as you were asking that question, <laughs> I grew up loving trampolines. Okay. And I actually grew up thinking, man, I would love to have like a trampoline world that I could just jump around wherever I needed to go. That was an, that was a recurring dream that I had. And there weren't trampoline parks when I grew up. And so I, I saw these things and I'm like, that's a fulfillment of my dream. And, <laughs> and so, yeah, I'd, I'd probably go even if I didn't have kids. I'd be the creepy old man. <laughs> yes. But, that's uh, crazy. <laughs> but no, I, I chase them. We have a blast. It's it's an opportunity for us to really engage physically as, as a father and son, you know, father and daughter. Yeah. So I, I chase them around and, and I, I love dodgeball, throwing it as hard as I can mm. at those little kids, you know. <laughs> yeah. like, like Will Farrell. You know, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's just a way to go get exercise. It's, it's a healthy sure. thing. You know, I know it's a little dangerous. You know, we've had a few injuries. I've had a few back injuries, getting a little too crazy oh, wow. there. Nothing, nothing serious. <laughs> I keep going back. But. Yeah, that's true. Do you do it like crazy flips or are you just out there for fun? Or You know, I've tried a few flips that are probably crazy. I'm 41, <laughs> so I don't do anything too too nuts. But Age is just right here. <laughs> yeah, it is, right? Yeah. And you land in those those foam pads, so it's it's yeah. really nice. You can do whatever you want and, <laughs> and land okay and, and be that's safe. True. So. So, so, Johnny, to move into... The main bulk of the interview of what I had, we're just going to walk through your entrepreneurial journey and kind of make it real for the people that listen. Uh-huh. And I want to start off with Entrada because I know that from my research, you did Entrada, which was bootstrapped, and then Homie was more funded. You've taken on funding for, for Homie. Yep. So to start with Entrada, for the people that are confused about just literally starting a business, I guess we can start square one when... You knew that that was the idea. You wanted to pursue it. It was something that the market needed. 
what was step one in you moving to scale that company? What, what did that look like at that time? Yeah, I think step one is just getting past your fears that, really? that it's not going to work, you know, and that you're going to mm-hmm. waste your time or that you're going to run out of money. Like, and, and so um, we, just, we just started out getting after it. And, you know, we wrote a business plan. We did a ton of interviews with a lot of people. And doing these wow. interviews with property management companies to see if building that software would help them, because that's what Entrada did. We built software for apartment communities. Yeah. I, I should have clarified. Um, but, yeah, calling all these apartment owners and property managers, they kept validating our idea. They were like, yes, I would buy that. Yes, I need that. Yes, I have a problem wow. collecting rent. Was that before you even started the company? Uh-huh. Before we even started. People? Yep. And same thing with Homie. Uh, we, we validated the idea before we got started. And we had a lot of experience as our team, you know, buying and selling homes. But with Entrada, none of us were property managers. We really didn't know much about it. My, my buddy's wife managed one apartment community, so she had experience. Um, but yeah, it was, it was I, I, I called and dialed so many property managers throughout the whole nation. Wow. And every one of them said the same thing. Really? So that gave us confidence to get after it. Start. So... So at that point, you know it's viable. Yeah. Right? Did you did you keep track of these people when you're like, all right, I'm gonna make this. So if I call you back and we have it, you're gonna sign up. Was that what he did? No, not really. Uh, just because everybody we called said the same thing, so we just thought it doesn't really matter. Like we'll be oh, talking okay. to anybody and, and selling <laughs> the solution. But really, when we first got going, we didn't actually have a product. We just had an idea. It was a business plan. I had flip charts of some of the designs our designers drew up. So I would wow. just say, hey, here's what we'll build for you. You know, we'll build a website. On this website, you'll be able to collect rent online. So it was kind of vaporware is what we called it. It didn't yeah. exist, but we just got <laughs> people to sign contracts. And then they, they said they'd start paying once we delivered. Wow. So, so where were you at when you did have your first, like, five, ten clients? Were you here in Salt Lake? Like, what was what, what it looked like at that time, and what were you... What were you doing? Did you have an office space? Did you have your house, a kitchen, a basement? Like, where were you at in this time? And yeah, we had a little office across from the soccer field at BYU. It was like oh, inside wow. of a little dental office place, and they had a little office that we worked out of. And me personally, like, I was over sales, so I would just go over to property managers that were managing big apartment communities. There's Liberty Square at, at uh, you know, in, in, by BYU. There's Branbury that I think houses UVU students and and uh, BYU students. Uh, Lookout Point up on the hill was another apartment community. So I just went and met with these managers, shared our vision and told them what we were doing and they gave me a little bit of time and told them what the cost was. Some of them had to talk to the owners. Some of them had budgets where they could sign up. But yeah, our first five, 10 deals, it was just local with property managers that that, uh, we thought may have heard about us winning the BYU business plan competition. (laughs) So we used that to our advantage. So, to kind of make this relatable for people that listen, what would you recommend saying if anybody were to start anything, knowing what you've done and been and been through it? How what is what just one thing in your mind? What is one thing that you would say they do first after they've gotten over that fear of just starting a business? What is that one thing? I've asked this question quite a lot. I feel like to more than one guest I've had on, but. I just think it's so crucial to know the first steps of a business because that really decide. I feel like that guides wherever the business goes in the future. You know what I mean? If you're sales oriented or if you're brand oriented in the very beginning, 
like what should you be thinking about in the beginning of a business you know and from these people I want to know because obviously they're successful at whatever they did so hearing this from Johnny and I feel like asking this he could give a good insight because Entrada was his company before and they do over 100 million in revenue at this point so however he started Entrada however he decided to do that with his co-founders whatever he decided to do that process obviously worked and I wanted you guys to find that out and obviously I wanted just to hear what it was the one thing I would say is to put strategy together around your culture really yep describe that so how are you going to make decisions? You know, how would you refund clients if you don't live up to your word? You know, okay. uh, would you refund clients? Um, so really setting, a, putting a set of core values in place, I think is very important. Like knowing right. here's, here's how I will operate. I, you know, like if integrity is one of your values, that can be one in there. Like we are going to be a business of integrity, not just in how we treat our clients, but how we treat our employees. Yeah. And so to me, that's that has to be created right away if you right. want to have, like I think a lot of businesses can have financial success, but in terms of the drama, the backstabbing, the politics inside of a company, yeah. I don't like any of that. And I think sure. all of that's avoidable if you create a core set of values that you live by. Dang. So. That that stuff all starts in the beginning when obviously there's a lot more growth. Does that all ever change for the people that haven't been in that huge company, have a big company, you know, running a huge production? Does that core value, do those core values change a little bit when things start happening? Like describe how it works with shift when the company grows. Yeah, Homie's a great example of that. So when we started, I put together five core values that I said, this is how we're gonna run the company. And I had a few co-founders, I said, you know, this is this is my view on this, if, if, if we're gonna co-found this business together, this is how I want to behave. And this is how I'll ask you to behave, and how I'll ask you to hold me accountable as well. Like, this is our foundation to our, our culture. Yeah. And so we did that, and over, I don't know, over a period of years, um, the values started to not feel like they were part of the company, and I was questioning that, I'm like, What's going on? You know, they're not sticky. Like people aren't referencing them. And so I recognized over a few years that they were my values, that they weren't our values as a company. And so we actually had a, an offsite with a group of individuals from each division. They, they went offsite, they, they did an internal survey to find out like what was good about our company, what wasn't good about our company, what are some strengths, what are some weaknesses. They analyzed that data they got rid of three of our core values and they replaced them with two core values that they felt were more applicable and they kept two that they thought were good that were strengths already so we now have a new set of four core values that have been in place for the last couple years and they are our values and i'm telling you they are (laughs) sticky and people love them and they live them and they hold each other accountable they hold me accountable to them and and to me that's exactly the type of strategy that that needs to go into building a solid culture yeah so i definitely want to come back to that but i had a question i wanted to bring up because i think you'd have good advice so in intrada you obviously did that for a while 12 years 10 years when you're in like year four or five right 
obviously you called these people and they're like, yes, this is something I would want before you even got started. And then you got clients because it was something that obviously they needed as well. When someone is starting a business and they're having that trouble, they're hitting that wall where it's like, nah, I don't know if that is something I need or come back later, kind of pushing it off when you're selling this to people. In your mind, is that something that you would push through or do you want to look for a business idea that people just accept when you pitch it? Like what, how do you know which one to pursue and what one is successful like in your mind? What would you say? I don't know if it's just me or if you guys actually think about this in a company or if you've thought about starting a company, blah, 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 in this situation. When it's right to stop, if people are not buying, not engaging, just don't like the idea, all those things, should we expect to have these people love the product like right after we pitch it should we or do we push through like when how do we know which one's right and how like how really do we know to keep pushing like because apple amazon a bunch of these huge companies like they were just things that people loved and 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 you know the entrepreneurs that started those didn't really have to sell it in a huge like convincing way it was just it's like a job that people needed to be done and then these people solved that job and it's kind of long-winded a little bit here what i'm saying but i hope you understand like this was the point of the question this is why i wanted to ask it because that single thing right there in business starting one is confusing to me and where do i go when one's happening or the other's happening, what do I do with that? Like, how should I think of that? You know, I, I think I think that you can run with any idea. I, I don't think it has to be just this rock-solid idea that is going to work from day one. And I think that you get feedback from clients and they tell you what you should actually be doing or how you should take your idea and just add to it a little bit. You know, I don't think it's, it's a full-on pivot but I think that you'll get feedback, and that's what happened at Entrada too. So we, we built a product a few years in. Our clients were telling us what they didn't like and what they did like. Mm -hmm. And so we just kept molding it to their demands. And then as we kept growing, they're like, it'd be nice if you did this. Or if you added this, I would also buy that product. Yeah. And so at Entrada, we, did, we built like 23 products that all started from our one initial system. And, you know, most of it was from our business plan that we originally wrote, but there were a lot of things that clients, they said, look, you built me a website. I need you to have a search engine optimization team that makes sure I'm getting traffic to that website. Otherwise, it's just something online, just in there. you know, <laughs> and so we were hesitant to ever build a search engine optimization team because that was more manual yeah. and everything we were building was software and it was, you know, set it and forget it. But without the search engine optimization team that was a bunch of humans making these websites actually functional, they would have been worthless. And we would have lost that business to competitors who added that manual human component. Hmm. And so clients will tell you, and even at Homey, we started out with a pure DIY package. You could sell your, own, your home on your own and we would give you attorney assistance with the paperwork. Done. Well, this is a very emotional transaction. Yeah. And and people wanted someone to talk to. They wanted 
almost like a counselor, like a therapist. And that's what realtors typically act as. They, they're your, they're, they're who, who has your back. You know, yeah. there's somebody, and we're homie, and we have your back, right? That's true. <laughs> and so our, our, first, our first couple years, we did not offer that. And clients okay. would call me, you know, I would, I would, we would survey all of our clients and they would tell me, yeah, I had a terrible experience. You know, I needed somebody to hold my hand or, you know what, I tried you for a few months and it just didn't work and I had to go with a realtor. And so over time we're like, well, let's offer, let's offer realtors to every single client. So now we have a dedicated agent for each client and they'll hold their hand as much or as little as the client wants. And that's. Again, it's not a pivot. It's just listening to the client, doing what they want. So I think any idea, even if it's a, even if it's a replica of something that already exists, I think that you can have success. I think you just need to listen to the client and work hard and make it, you know, something that actually adds value. Yeah, that's honestly something I think a lot of people don't understand is like the ability for the people that are paying you to just help you out. Like I don't think that people really think about that as much. I know that I wouldn't have if I heard, if I didn't hear from you, but enough of Entrada now. So I want to move on to Homie where, and and really just talk about the beginning of that. And the first thing I want to talk about though is obviously the name, because I've always been interested in the story of the name, how you got the name, because it fits perfectly with everything here. Like we're your homies and we deal with homes and we sell your homes, we list your homes, like you buy homes from us. like. It's perfect. So describe like the journey of just getting the name for us. Well, first off, I called everybody I know homie. And so yeah. that was always just something in my vocabulary. And I looked up the other day an old buddy that, that uh, I, I served a mission with. And I looked at my, my messages on Messenger with him. On his birthday, I said, happy birthday, homie. You know, and then when I reached out for something else, I'm like, hey, homie, you want to do lunch? <laughs> and so I was, it was already something I, I was using pretty frequently. Yeah. And then um, I felt like it was time for me to leave Entrada back in 2015. Yeah. And my partners threw me a going away party my last day there. I wasn't sure what I was going to do next. But I had a random appointment. Somebody had set up a meeting where this guy just wanted to pick my brain and wanted to uh, throw a business idea at me. So I, this guy, Mike Peregrina, comes in into my office at Entrada, and he's like, hey, I saw that, you know, today was your last day, congratulations. And he's like, hey, what are you doing next? You know, and I said, <laughs> I'm not sure, I have no idea. And he said, well, I have an idea, you know, and, and he went on to explain uh, what our company is uh, to a degree, and, and he said, I'm thinking about naming the company Homie. And right then and there, oh, I'm like, right. I don't care what the business idea is. I love that name. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I'm in, you know, but uh, it took a few months for me to really research it to see if it made sense. And yeah. he had put in a ton of thought. And so we decided to co-found the business together. And one of my previous co-founders of Entrada, Mike Trianfo, came over and did all the coding for us. So he's our co-founder here. Oh, wow. And he was my co-founder there. So we have a really good team. But yeah, Mike Peregrina, um, he's a homie. <laughs> and you know, he, he grew up in uh, he grew up in uh, South Central Los Angeles. Um, he moved to Las Vegas. He uh, experienced the housing bubble and the burst in 08. He had a lot of trouble around that. He saw these fees that he paid these professionals that told him to buy to buy all these homes with with stated income, not proving that you actually are making the money that you're claiming. Oh, yeah. These the professionals guided you to do that. They told you. Um, 
you know, just give you really bad advice. And they were professionals. You know, they were the, the realtors, the loan officers. And he ended up with a whole neighborhood of homes. And as soon as the crash happened, he was left with all these homes and, oh, yeah. you know, had to, had to foreclose on them. And it was just a terrible experience. So he vowed to, you know, never go through that again and, and, to, get, and to get better professional advice. Now, this is your co-founder? This is my co-founder. So this was, you know, kind of his thing. Yeah. He, he wanted to change it. And at Entrada, we had built out a real estate software platform of all these different tools. So we talked about, hey, let's let's do this for loans and mortgage. Let's do it for title. Yeah. Let's do it for insurance. So that's who we are now. We're not just a, a real estate company with realtors. We we're a, we have a, a whole mortgage division. We're doing a bunch of refinancing right now. Um, we have a home insurance division. We have a title and escrow company. So we're really building a one-stop shop, similar to what I did at Entrada. Yeah. And huh. uh, that's kind of what Homie has become, and that's where it's going to continue to go. Yeah. So Homie is a lot of things, it sounds like, nowadays. Yep. But in the beginning, what uh, – I guess I, before I ask this question, the logistics of getting Homie, was that hard with, like, a, a domain name and, you know, owning the rights to that? that slogan, like how was that for you? Yeah, I mean, we ended up buying, as soon as I heard the idea, like even before I joined the company, I'm like, Mike, I'm gonna go you buy this. I'm gonna, like, we gotta make sure this domain's open, available. <laughs> and I found that it was open, H-O-M-I-E.com. And I'm like, okay, yeah. I know we haven't formed the company yet, we're partners, I'm just gonna go ahead and buy it, but know that it's, you know, ours jointly. <laughs> um, and so I just, that was the first thing we wow. did even before yeah. starting the business was buying the domain. and. Okay. And then, uh, but in terms of you had the rights trademark, we actually just wrapped up kind of a trademark battle. Um, but now we, we now own homey.com as well. So we own both mm. as of just last week. Wow. So, yeah, so it's been a battle. It's hard. There's every company has the same name, uh, sure. or a, a, you know, there's a bunch of companies that have the same, same name. Way. Yeah. Or, you know, that already have the .com of whatever you're thinking of. So it, that can be challenging. Yeah, yeah. So with that out of the way too, where would where did Homie even start in the very beginning? Once you obviously got everyone together, you had the co-founder that codes, you had the co-founder that knew exactly what Homie was, and then he brought you on. Where, what was the day after? Like, what did that look like? Scaling yeah, from so, there. So Mike Peregrini, he came from Mercado Partners as doing venture capital. So uh -huh. that's where he knew the he knew how to raise money. I didn't. You know, we bootstrapped Intrada. Yeah. So I didn't know how to pitch investors, but that's what he knew. I was more of an operator. Um, and so, yeah, he's like, let's go start pitching investors. So we did. We just went to Silicon, mm. Silicon Valley and just started telling people our idea, what we were planning on doing. And, and Mike Trionfo stayed back here and he started coding our first, you know, our website, the first yeah, system. First iteration. And, then, and then we just reached out to friends and family and said, hey, we'll sell your homes for free just because we're getting wow. this business started. Like, yeah. Let us know how we can help you, and, and we want to make sure we can do what we, we say we're going to do. Because none of us had ever really done it as a, you know, bought and sold homes professionally. None of us yeah. had our licenses. But uh, we, you know, I had bought and sold homes without a realtor, just on my own. Yeah. And, and so I knew some of the ins and outs. So did Mike Trionfone, so did Mike Perry. Yeah. So I actually interviewed a lady just on Tuesday. She said that she was looking for capital, but she found out she needed to actually have a real business set right and that's kind of the trend that she put in my mind is like you got to have revenue and you got to have this number before investors come on but it sounds like you guys went to investors 
right out of the gate. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. I think what what that lady had to say is is more typical. And I think if you're an investor, you're going to invest in a company that has traction more so than you would invest in a company that just has an idea. Yeah. And so, um, but we thought we'll go out and hit it. In Trotta, we had grown to fifteen hundred employees, so I had a good, I had a good history behind me. Yeah, right so we right. thought that might help. Um, and as soon as we went out, we actually got an offer right away for an eight million dollar wow. term sheet, which wow. was huge. Yeah, so eight million dollar valuation. Um, um, but we turned it down, uh, and mm. and we were we we were a little greedy, actually. And the investor was a, a very well-known investor in in the world, like they're one of the top brands in the world. Hmm. So it, it was a really, I think, a big mistake that we made um, in doing it because we, we got hmm. that so easy with just having a PowerPoint presentation, you know, <laughs> like no traction. Um, <laughs> and so we were like, oh, wow, we're on to something. Like this, <laughs> we're going to get a $100 million term sheet, you know, like if it was, so we, we turned that down. And we didn't get another offer. And we met with like 70 venture capitalists and all of them turned us down. Hmm. And and so it was it was really hard. I'm glad that we had that experience because it humbled us. And it made us get to work. It made us really rethink what we're doing. Um, we had to have traction before we got another really? before we got that next offer. Yeah. So what were you doing to get traction? What were, this, what were the systems and processes and goals you had to get traction to get to that point? So we all just kind of split up, you know, tried to figure things out. Uh, we went and knocked on people's doors that were doing for sale by owner and, and, and let them know, like, hey. Just pitched them. Yep, you can use our attorneys. <clears throat> our attorneys will do this for free. We weren't even, you know, offering to charge any money. We just wanted to have the experience of helping somebody buy yeah. or sell a home. So, yeah, just... Just trying to get you know people to sign up with us, get some testimonials, you know, yeah. so that we could then start charging some money. So when you say you had lawyers that helped these people, yeah. how did you get these people to help you so that you could pitch that they're gonna help them? If that makes sense. Johnny said that they had a realtor for every single customer. He's got so many customers now, and because of that, he's got to have so many realtors. So in my mind, I'm like, who and how? Did you get all the realtors to work with you? <laughs> like, did you talk to them individually, each one? How did you do that? Like, that process to me, I wanted him to explain because that's a really complicated thing, I feel like, to an entrepreneur that would do that kind of thing and, and wants to pursue that sort of business. Like, this stuff is not something to ignore. It's something that's not small. So how did he do this? crucial thing in this business one of our early partners was also an attorney so he just started doing all oh, the first transactions mm -hmm. yeah and then and then after we got funding we hired a couple more attorneys to handle more of the transactions okay and so you know vanessa clayton who's the head of our legal team here she was one of the first attorneys we brought on really? and she did so many transactions <laughs> so she she did like hundreds of deals as a lawyer and a real estate attorney and so she she just got to be really uh, proficient at, at yeah. buying and selling homes. So in, in this way, I want to make this applicable again for people that listen. What would you say is the best thing to do if you have to recruit people to help you out with your business? What is that one aspect as a person, business owner, that you should you should really inherit or practice to make sure that 
these people are happy and then also your customers are happy as well what is that thing you said I, I think I answered this with culture it, it, oh, was, wow. it was a different question but applying culture to this like people people want to work in a place that they enjoy you know, I, I think you do need to pitch the vision and the mission and you need to have excitement, of course, around what you're doing. And, and you've got to sell other people on that vision and mission. But if you're a jerk or it's kind of a crappy work environment, it doesn't matter how cool it is. Like people probably aren't going to want to work there. Yeah. So I, I would pitch early people on this is how I'm going to run the company. So if you join us, this is what to expect from us. And, and one example that I can share with you is our value of, of loyalty. And loyalty is that we have a phrase around every value. So the phrase of loyalty is, is homie's got your back. <laughs> and so homie's got your back is a phrase that means more than loyalty, but that's that, yeah. that, that's kind of was the root. And I thought of Entrada, like where I was there, and I, I didn't feel that we had necessarily lived the value of, of having our, our employees back if they wanted to move to a different company. There were a lot of instances where we were mad, you know, as, as an organization mm -hmm. that somebody wanted to leave us. Like, how dare they leave us? Yeah. You know, we've given them a job. We've paid them. We've trained them to be what they are. Like, how dare they I take mean, another yeah. job? Yeah. But the reality is everyone here, everyone that you see out this window, like they're, they're spending their time here at our office on this earth, you know what I mean? They're, they're choosing their time to spend with us <laughs> and they're true. putting in their effort to be here. And that's such a giving thing. And I'm telling you, our team, like they work hard and they want the company to grow. Yeah. And so to me, I want them to grow. And, and if there's not a place that they can uh, grow to within the company, then I'm happy if there's a place outside of the company. I'd rather them yeah. stay here, but if we don't have a place or if they get a promotion elsewhere, you know, I want to, I want to make sure they know, like, I'm happy for them as an individual. We have a relationship. Like it's not just like a crazy business. It's just not a business. Yeah. It's, yeah. this is uh, you know, we're, we're homies and I want to yeah. be homies for life. Right. True. You know, like, and so that, that's where <laughs> homies have each other's back. And so it's, it hasn't been like, I don't want to paint it to where it's like so easy and I'm this great guy, but yeah. like at our company meetings, I've asked people, like if you have another job or you're seeking something else, I would really like to know and I could be a reference for you. And so as I've shared that, I've had a couple people take me up on that. Brilliant. Really good people at the company <laughs> that I don't want leaving. <laughs> and I'm like, crap. <laughs> the offer's up there. Now I have to, you know, now I have to actually be true to my word on this, you know. Um, yeah. and, and that's been hard and I, but I've, I've, I've shared that openly I'm like this is hard this is hard for me to hear that you're wanting to leave but I totally want you to stay and if there's anything I can do to get you to stay great yeah. if not I'm here I'm gonna you know I'll help you look I'll help you find a new gig I'll be a reference for you um, you let me know hmm. now in those instances where that's occurred and they've trusted me with that They've actually stayed. And I've helped find a way to promote them so that they <laughs> stay, you know? But yeah. to me, it's like they were, they showed trust by coming and telling me. And they weren't scared. They didn't have fear that, like, I would be mad. They're like, why are you leaving me? You know, that, and taking it personal. Hmm. And so you can't just do that with any employer. Like, you have to have trust. And everybody had to kind of 
test the waters with me. And I think some of those stories have gotten out to where maybe more people will trust me with that yeah. if, if they really do. But if you think about it, like if somebody wants to leave and they, and they end up leaving, I want them to speak highly of us. I don't want it to be like this bad breakup. Yeah, exactly. And we're out trying to help people buy and sell homes. I want them to go tell all their new coworkers, hey, you should buy or sell your home <laughs> with homie. Exactly. You know, so, and, then, and, and then if the grass isn't greener and they, di- they don't really like their new gig, maybe they want to come back. And I want to have that as a good relationship to where they, yeah. they, they're like, hey, that was a good parting. Johnny was cool. Everybody was cool over there. You know what? I do miss it. And I made a mistake. You know, or mm-hmm. maybe I didn't make a mistake, but I just, I want to go back and, and I want to, I want to stay there. So I think that is, is a, you know, that's more of a growth mindset yeah. than, than just trying to like squeeze people, squeeze everything you, you can out of them until they quit. And then when they quit, they're dead to me and I'm going to yeah. hire somebody else. And mm-hmm. that's a very common mentality, even yeah. here in Utah. That's interesting because I feel like you really have to be a big person to like understand that I want you to stay, but yes, I want the best for you. So you have to have that delta that's like perfectly in tune and calibrated. So first of all, just like respect, I guess, is where I'm coming from in that because you know a lot of people wouldn't be that way or they just see one way and they don't see the other way. But the next question I wanted to ask was something I wanted to make relatable but it's not really relatable I'm gonna try my best with homie you guys are expanding to Phoenix and I've heard Nashville and Colorado Idaho so when you first started and I guess I can make this relatable by saying did you think homie was gonna be as big as this or a huge vision of like like international like homies everywhere like what was the vision at the very beginning and then for, I guess, younger entrepreneurs, like, what should they expect from a company? Should they always expect a billion-dollar valuation, or should they expect a sellout? Like, describe those two things for us here before we go live. Yeah, there, there's a couple couple questions there. So, yeah, one, what was our vision? Um, we expected to go international from day one. We expected to be a multi-billion-dollar company. And so the same vision is still in place today. Yeah. Like we still expect it. In fact, we expected to get there a lot faster than we have today. So mm. we, we thought, I thought we'd be nationwide by where we are today. And we're not. We're just opening up a few other states. I didn't realize how expensive it was yeah. to open up new states, how expensive it is to market to people. And, and everybody has a realtor friend. The hardest thing is getting them to not hire their cousin to buy or sell a home. That's the hardest thing. Um, but all of our data shows that we're selling homes faster for more money for a lower fee. Like everything's yeah. a no-brainer at this point, but it's still hard to get that message out to everybody. Here in Utah, there's 19,000 agents. There's only 50,000 transactions that occur a year, meaning that each agent averages less than three homes a year. Three home transactions. It's, That's there's just so many agents that there aren't enough transactions to go around, but yeah. that's partly why they have to charge so much money. To make their profit. Yeah, to make that profit. So it's that that's difficult. Uh, your other question on if everybody should expect to be a billion dollar company, absolutely not. And I, I think that you know your motive shouldn't be on valuation. 
And so we did think that we would be a billion dollar company, but that wasn't our motive. Our motive yeah. was and still is to change this industry to make home ownership more affordable, more simple, more efficient. And that is what drives us, not the money. And in, in actuality, the money that we collect is very little. Most of the money is passed back to the consumer. But mm -hmm. that kind of model makes it very attractive to where we can go right. very big and very quick. And VCs you know, will back you and go down that path. So, so yeah, I, I think the natural outcome is money. But yeah, you don't, I, 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 I actually hate the term unicorn because it does seem <laughs> like everybody wants to be one. Sure. But I don't care to be a unicorn. I care to change this industry. Mm. And being a unicorn will be a natural yeah. outcome. I feel like that lasts a lot longer, like that mentality you can go with for 10, 20 years. It's not like you get frustrated after five and then you're like, I really need to switch up everything now. And then, you know, it, things just get really crazy. So I feel like that mentality really just sticks with the 20, 30 year people that well, really see it. I think it's comparison. Like comparison's the thief of joy. I don't know if you've heard that phrase. Mm, I like that. It yeah. robs our joy. And so I have a friend that sold his company for $10 million. And like 10 million, who wouldn't want 10 million? And who thinks, who would look at that and be like, you're a failure? Well, <laughs> he's comparing, he's compared himself to some of his other friends that have companies that have sold for hundreds Huge. of millions or unicorns in the billions. And so he's just like, yeah, you know, I'm still looking for, you know, to really knock it out of the park. And I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about? You sold your company for $10 million. That's like that, that that's it's more money than anyone in that's more money than <clears throat> I ever expected to ever sell for any company you know like True. like be happy but if you're comparing you're not going to be happy mm. and again or if you're seeking for that dollar amount you're not going to be happy yeah but he that's built he built a very wonderful company and did a great job you know and and his family's now set for life you know so <laughs> and you're not happy yeah but you're not happy <laughs> right but so so to me that that you really need to look at motive and yeah. what you're doing and be be aware of those voices that hit your head of like you're not enough or you're not as good of a CEO or as good of an entrepreneur as that that guy is or you know you didn't you didn't raise that much money it's it's all false all that stuff is fake and it's robbing you of your happiness because hmm. happiness doesn't equate to money or how much you sell your company for. One of the first questions from my research I really wanted to know of was about the culture and the way the business works, right? How do you deal with the hate of the business transactions and just the, the aura of what, of what homie is? Like how do realtors approach you? Like what are you doing? Like you're taking money away from me. Yep. How, do you, how do you approach that? with humility and talk to these people and still run your business and scale your business and, and really just communicate and deal with that. What do you say to that? Yeah, it's it's hard. I think the backlash that we get is, is extremely hard. It's hard not to take it personal. It's hard not to be defensive. I think early on I was really defensive. I, I responded probably too aggressively. Um, there's a, another real estate company. Um, the owner of it, you know, he talked to me and said, look, you know, going to war is never a good idea. Yeah. And, 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 and I feel like that was really good advice. And so 
most recently, anytime we get backlash, like if, if somebody's really coming after us, I'll private message them and just say, hey, if you want to do lunch, do you want to get together? I'm happy just to chat. Just break things down. Yeah, like we don't have to fight. And and some of them can get really aggressive toward us and, and you know, be very personal and direct, you know, against us. Um, but honestly, I, I feel like most people are good people. And, yeah. you know, I, I, I see a lot of these guys and I just think there's fear. And we're doing things a little differently, and it is affecting their business. So I understand, and so I think just yeah, reaching out privately is always a good idea, and really? just trying to smooth it out. Um, that being said, our marketing's pretty aggressive, <laughs> and so I, I think we deserve some of the backlash, you know, True. because we're really we stand out. Like, and if your marketing doesn't stand out, no one's gonna hear anything about you. It's gonna be sleep. It's gonna get lost in the noise. So uh, some of the things we say, you know, people have taken offense from and, and I understand where it's, it's a little harsh or it might be a little aggressive. Um, So not everyone's going to like you. Yeah, that's true. And the other thing that brings up too, is I know that you have billboards everywhere in in Salt Lake County, Utah County. So the question that I want to ask here, which I didn't write down, but it's, I want to know how much of marketing budget do you put into actual like billboards physical versus digital like yeah. social media like and how do you feel about both in your experience yeah we definitely have a lot of billboards and they've been incredibly effective so we've continued to put more money to billboards and we're, we're doubling up i think even here in utah so you're gonna see more of them pretty soon <laughs> there we go. um but yeah we, we i think it's about 50 percent of the budget so 50 percent in digital 50 percent in out of home so um, it, it's a healthy balance. We're doing a new commercial. We're going to be sharing that on YouTube and boosting the heck out of that. Mm-hmm. It's super funny. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, we, we, we try we try everything. We do radio. You know, you, you name it, we're we're doing it. Okay. So the next question I had was obviously Entrada was bootstrapped. Homie was more funded. What do you feel about both the bootstrap route and the funded route? Which one would you prefer? And then just talk about the, the experiences of both. Like, tell us about which one you'd recommend as well. Yeah, I think I think everybody would always like it, it's it's a better uh, idea to sell a product and make money, have enough left over to grow the business. So bootstrapping, I think, is a natural, easy way to go if you can do that. With yeah. Homie. We had to market to the masses. We don't know who's buying and selling a home at, on, on any given day. And if we wanted to be a worldwide company, you needed, we needed to raise money. Like there, there's just no question. It costs money to open up any new area and market and tell people you're there. Bootstrapping, it would just take time. You would just have to sell a couple homes, get them to give you referrals, and then it would build from there. And you know, with, with a consumer-based business like homie versus a a b2b focus at entrada like at entrada there weren't you know that many clients we would reach out to them individually and just have those discussions but yeah with consumers it's it's a shotgun approach Mm -hmm. and so it's just made sense for us to grow if we want to have kind of that first mover advantage so you'd say it really just depends on the scope of you the business that you're wanting to start and then you can go from there and see absolutely sweet so the last question that I had here was, what was the hardest time at Homie, business 
Business-wise, I, I would say a couple years ago, um, I mentioned to you, I think, earlier that we didn't have licensed agents working with each client. So our, our clients didn't have a dedicated agent. And uh, the experience a couple years ago was pretty frustrating for like one in 10 clients. And those those guys would give us bad reviews or they would tell their friends and family. And so our growth started to slow down. And that was a time where we were raising money. And so with slow growth and needing to raise money for a company, that's not a Doesn't good combo. <laughs> <laughs> and so for me as the CEO, you know, I started taking that personally when investors were telling us no, that like your growth wasn't looking very good. You know, it wasn't this hockey stick that they were expecting. Yeah. So that was that was a really hard time for me, and and I've I've shared I've been pretty open about mental health, and I was labeling myself as the CEO of Homie versus knowing like my worth is unchanging. I know that now, but like with fewer zeros in my bank account it, or in the company's bank account, my worth went down because I was labeling myself as this is who I am, and if the company fails or if I can't raise money, then that means I'm a failure. You know, and the flip side of that, if, if it's doing really well, that doesn't mean that I'm a god. You know, I'm I'm the <laughs> best thing ever. Like, you have to watch that. You can't you can't label yourself and tie yourself too closely to your job. You are not your job. You know, you're you're a separate being from your profession. So, when I labeled myself, and when we had slow growth and we weren't raising money, those were some dark times for me. Wow. Really hard, really hard to get through and push through. But I have an amazing team around me. I have amazing investors that supported me, and uh, we made it through. and And now we have the hockey stick growth, and we have money in the bank. <laughs> so, true. so I guess a follow up question before we turn this off. Yeah. What um, to make it applicable as well? Because I think this is this will have good advice. What would you what would you recommend? If that is a situation that an entrepreneur is in, what would you do to make sure that you're still confident in the business, in yourself, in your life, in these people that work for you? What would you say is one thing that you can do practically every day or every week to make sure that you're still healthy up here and in business? Yeah, I mean, the healthy up here is that. Like, you have to be healthy mentally. And I think that's something I wished I would have known at Entrada. I, I There were so many times where I wasn't healthy mentally, but here... Um, I've, I've actually kind of sought out therapy. I've tried to understand human psychology and there's a program that I've gone to called connectionsclassroom.com. Mm. And with that, that's helped me to understand like any time something appears off, it's like, oh, you're a failure. I can recognize that voice and I can say, what's the truth? The truth is yeah. that I'm working my tail off. I'm doing everything that I know how to do. You know, I, I'm, I'm putting it all on the line and if it doesn't work out it doesn't work out that's the truth the truth is not that I'm a failure and so as I've gone through this I've looked at it more like a little baby you know and I have these yeah. seven almost eight kids as they're walking they fall down you know as they're learning to walk but as if they fall they're not a failure they get back up and they mm -hmm. keep walking and to me like if a business fails and it actually just closes your doors and, and you're the entrepreneur you're not a failure. Get back up. Keep yeah. going. It, that it's it's just part of life. So that's Resilience. that's having to you have to tell yourself and take a step back as the negative voices are telling you otherwise. Yeah. And and that that's been 
life-changing for me. All right, so last question is kind of a doozy. You don't have to answer it. You don't have to take like 10 minutes, but it's an interesting one that I like to ask a lot. So a young entrepreneur comes to you, young aspiring entrepreneur, and they want to know what it takes to achieve success. They want to know what it's like to achieve happiness as well along with that, what it's like just to be okay, not worry in the end. What can they do and what would you tell them to do practically at that time in their life? If they're 20 years old, looking to do something like you've done, yep. what is that one thing you'd say to do the next day? Yeah, I would say number one, and this comes from a book that I read called How Will You Measure Your Life? And it's by Clayton Christensen. Mm. And so how to measure your life, like that is helping you to define like what is success? So success doesn't really have a definition. Like what is it to anybody? Like is it just a bunch of money? And if you just want to have a bunch of money, there's a lot of ways to go and get a bunch of money. Yeah. But the book talks about true success is having really close relationships 20 years from now with people that you love. Close relationship with your wife, close relationship with your kids, with your friends, with your extended family, Hmm. with your coworkers. That's success. That's like the generalized success or what he says. Regardless of the number of zeros in your bank account. That's success. So, again, we talked about this. If your motive is money, most likely, in my opinion, you're going to have zero success if your motive is money. You may have millions, you may have billions, but you're probably going to be alone. And, you're, and, and you may not have anybody who loves you. So to me, like, I would get down to like, what are you shooting for? And if it is success financially, you should rethink your motives. You should rethink yeah. what what you want to do with your life. Yeah. Well, Johnny, I think we're over our time by a little bit here. But if you just want to give us any shout outs to yourself or we can find you, if we want to find you, then we can say goodbye. Yeah, I, you follow me on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. Um, my family's also, uh, we do kind of a fun little behind the scenes with my family at our startup family, um, <laughs> on YouTube and Instagram. So we're, we're just getting going on that, but what handle is that at our startup family? Yeah. We're doing a lot kind of on parenting, on marriage, on, yeah, just <clears throat> life in a startup. So it's, it's just kind of a, you know, fun thing recording our year. That's really what we're doing. Yes. We're just recording our year as a family. And really, it's mostly for our own family history. We're not trying to build followers, subscribers. We're not trying to make money from it. Um, but yeah, if anybody wants, you know. Check to, it out. Yeah, they can check it out. Dang. All right, well, that's that's all I have, Johnny. Thanks again for coming out yeah, on the show. absolutely. Thank you. Special and present of the fighters. You guys, thanks for tuning in. I uh, hope you enjoyed this one. I want to remind you to subscribe, rate, and view the show if you like it. Uh, it helps me reach more people. You can also check the website, sincerely.us, if you want to see the video of this episode of me and Johnny talking. Last reminder is just to make sure you follow my Instagram. I post a lot of stuff there of, of guests coming up. And everything with the podcast usually goes there. So give that a follow if you like this. And I'll see you on the next one.